Welcome to the Conquering Truth Podcast. I'm Dan Horn. I am Joshua Horn. I'm Charles Churchill. I'm Jonathan Sides. So tonight we wanted to talk about, even today I was out on the, the internet and I looked at what the stories that Fox News was covering, the stories that CNN were covering, they were covering completely different stories. They said these are the most important things of the day and they were totally different from one another. In one case, CNN said that there's this conspiracy going around. In another case, you go to Fox or some other place, and they say this is the most serious story of the day to, to understand what's going on. So, so how do you figure out what is actually happening in the world? I think that's easy. You subscribe to the Conquering Truth podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that we've gotten by that. <laughs> oh, you want like a real answer? <laughs> yeah, I thought we should go with a real answer. I think it's uh, it's pretty much incumbent on the person who's watching to do some actual legwork. I mean, this past week there was a story I think that we saw coming out of Ware County, Georgia, where you know the article said that they had sequestered and and isolated some voting boxes, uh, some some tabulators, and they had run a test and they had found out that the votes had been switched between Trump and Biden, and. You know, it was being covered, and it, actually, I think it made it up to Rush Limbaugh. It made it up to some fairly decent-sized news stories. And then, if you started looking at it and actually started doing work, you found out that it wasn't really true. Nothing had been sequestered. And if you look back at the people who were reporting it and went back to their sources, it all went back to something that happened the night of the election. It wasn't anything sequestered. There wasn't any forensics done, and it was just there was there were some votes that were accidentally counted by human error. And these were by the sources, but you had to sit down and actually had to track through. And it didn't take 30 seconds. It took, it took you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. I was going to say, it didn't take that long, though, either. Right. I mean, but it, but it was, but it was real, real work, and there were several times where you're looking at the article. And so, I mean, there's, there's actual effort that people have to put in to find out where the truth is. And I think there's, that's something that sort of – that idea has almost been lost. And even the – in that case, you have somebody who's openly posting the original sources and saying, this is what it says. But if you don't read the sources that they're posting, it wasn't that it was even hard to find. I mean, he, in his tweet, he put a copy of the document right. that showed opposite of what he said, totally different than what he said. Right. But yet he's saying, this is what it says, when it didn't. And if you look at how it was presented... The final summary was this was in one location, and this was probably in every location. They were probably all programmed exactly the same way. And so, like I said, in, whether there's actually been voter fraud or not, this has nothing to do with it. But there are a lot of people out there who read that. And, and you saw the comments were, why aren't they putting people in jail for this? And so, I mean, and the, why aren't they putting people in jail? And the, who should be put in jail is the real question, Good right? Good internet commenters aren't the ones handing out sentences where we'd all be in jail. Right. And so, I mean, and, and they're, you know, and you can step back and say there probably is really legitimate voter fraud that happens. But this does not help at all. Yes. Yeah, we're in the, uh, the information age and people, you know, there's, there's endless, there's increased opportunities to spread lies faster than ever before. And at the same time, there's also opportunities to discover the truth faster than ever before. So it has to, has to come down to wisdom of how are we using the tools before us? Are we just accepting anything that comes across our eyeballs that meets our worldview? Or are we taking the time where something is of a grave enough importance that we're dedicating the time to actually dig into it and research? Is this so? Right. I mean, it's kind of the idea of, you know, especially with scriptural things, you have the idea of the Bereans who uh who went back to the to the word of god and and 
checked if what Paul was saying is true. That's very important with Scripture, but there's a sense where you can take that beyond Scripture and apply that to what people are telling you. You have to do the same thing with non-inspired sources. Right. So playing the other side just a little bit, I read a news story. I don't know if it's true or not. There's sources there. I can track those sources down. I know what it's like to be on the internet for a long time, just following, you know, clicking every link in in each subsequent story. And then all of a sudden you find yourself watching cat videos in the middle of the night. <laughs> how, how do you know when you've arrived at the truth? How do you know when you think you've got a handle on it? Because like you said, you're going to get one set of stories over here. You're going to get con- contradictory stories over there. Or you're going to have people who just tell you completely different sets of stories. Where should – how do I even know what I'm supposed to be caring about? And, and part, of the, part of the answer is, I mean, to not care about things that people are telling us we need to be caring about. I mean, the news media's job is to say you need to care about what we're telling you right now. But usually that is not true. For most people, you know, most of the things they're talking about, we don't need to know. And, you know, either we don't need to read it or we can read it and say, this does not seem important. I don't know if that's true or not, but it doesn't matter. So, you know, kind of along those we have to figure out what matters for in our jurisdiction, our responsibilities. What does God want us to be to be knowing? What what sphere of information do we need? And I think as you, I mean, there's kind of two things that I wanted to comment on that. And one is kind of the answer to your question is, if all you do is chase opinions, then you'll never get anywhere. And what you do have to, what you have to do is try to chase back the facts, which is what we did with that, that story is we said, okay, so where did he get this and chased it back. If you just chase opinions, you'll go in circles forever because there are, you know, <laughs> everybody can come up with another opinion. And so that's a real problem. And when you're deliberately doing it, what you have to do is try to drive back to the beginning. And this is true. I mean, this is true in studying history. This is true in what's happening now. I mean, if you don't go back to what the original sources say or go back closer, and you can think that, you know, it says the scriptures say that, you know, with two or three witnesses, every fact is proven. But like with, uh, um, with the dossier, with the Russian dossier with Trump. They said that they had multiple sources that proved it, but they were all just repeating the same source. And it wasn't multiple sources. So we even have to be careful that you don't just say, well, this person said it and this person said it when they're just repeating what somebody else said. And the way to do that is you have to like drive backwards and try to get back to the root thing. And again, you always have to do the judgment that Joshua said, which is, is it worth it? Is this, does, do you need to know this? Is there an advantage to knowing this? And this is one of the big changes that happened with the Internet, right? Because before you had editors and you would choose your media based on the editor where you said he's picking the things that I want to know about. And now you just kind of have this whole mass of stuff out there that you can waste a lot of time chasing. We've eliminated that editorial layer in a lot of ways and made it a marketing layer like Joshua was saying before. We just need to, you know, we're really lacking something in our ability to understand the world partly because there is this, this lack of editorial. And even when you think about the editorial issue, I know you won't disagree. I mean, in the sense of there were times where even with editors where you had things like yellow journalism where, you know what I mean, where you can have real mis- – I mean, you know, so, I mean, your your point is not that editors fix the problem. It's that 
there's there there has to be someone. I mean, at the end of the day, an individual has to say, what should I be dealing with this? Should I be looking at this? Because you can get false information from any source out there, and you can't create a structure that eliminates false false information. Right, and you talk about yellow journalism, right, from the 1920s and 30s with Hearst and all that stuff where they're just – but we have to recognize journalism's always been that way. Right. There's never been any un- unbiased journalism. There's always biased journalism. Everybody comes when they, when they look at a series of stories and say, these are the stories we should cover, that's bias. That's right. probably the most significant bias. Right. Because even if they're reporting everything accurately, the stories you choose to report – determines what the view of the world that the person receiving it has. Yep. What are ways that we can look at, you know, news media outlets or people putting stuff out there and decide, are they legitimate or are they they worth listening to or are they not worth listening to? I think one thing, at least that, you know, it does happen is, is we should watch people over time and see how they handle information. I mean, one of these, th- you know, you can look at people and see whether they're f- effectively, are they faithful with truth? And and there is, you know, there is this aspect of compartmentalization. I mean, like, there are people who you feel like you can trust in certain areas. And I think there's a legitimacy to that as well. I mean, and so, you know, you're never going to, you're not going to find someone in the secular arena who is always 100% honest, because there is this part of it where the Spirit of God's involved. And, and you know, and there is an aspect of sin always involves some part of deception. And so you're never going to get somebody who doesn't have an area where they're deceived or where they have an issue. But you can look at, in general, are there people who deal with information faithfully? And there should be points where you should say, this side is pretty much trash, and I know it's trash. And you should, and you, and you have to actually say and teach yourself to not look at and use those sites as information because it's really tempting. It's incredibly tempting to go to places that satisfy your biases. And I mean, and, and this is how these sites thrive is you read it and you go, I really hope that's true. I really hope that's true. And that's or the just, whole, it is true. <laughs> right, right. And that's, that's the whole basis of their article. It is true. Right. That you say it's true is what you're saying, right? right that, yeah. that you read it and you go, well, this just rings true to me because I want to believe it. And right. we think something ringing true to us means that it's true. Right. That's not the standard of truth. There's even a point where you have to understand that. I mean, it's – so somebody pasted – I saw a thing on Facebook this week, and it said, I am for unlimited va- – for mandatory vacations. But the background picture was a picture of a needle going – it was a, was a shot being given, and it was right over the word vacations. So it sort of covered it. I read that, and I saw the comments. The person who posted it, I knew they weren't for mandatory vaccinations. And so I, I knew something was up. I had to read it ten times to see the word vacations, even though it wasn't it wasn't disguised. I mean, it was disguised, but it wasn't in the it wasn't in the font. It wasn't. A, it was literally just the context and the background. And there's this part of it where you think of yourself as your your brain sees images, your your ears hear things, but your brain is in the background and it's interpreting everything. And it's incredible how contextual that is. And you just you think you can separate yourself from it, but you can't. And so there's this part of it where you have to be aware that you're incredibly susceptible to these tactics. And don't fool yourself. You will fall prey to them if you keep going to places that lie. Yeah, that's. I think sometimes it, I find it less frustrating to read like a liberal news site because you can easily, I mean, you're, all your senses are tuned to seeing where they're putting out stuff that's just fake. 
versus the conservative side is like, oh, they're saying this. I wish that's true. It's probably not even true. So I, I, it, it can be kind of frustrating even saying, like, I'm starting to accept these things that there, there's no reason to accept them. So summing up two threads here, because this is getting complicated. You guys are telling our, our listeners that – We have listeners? <laughs> all six of them out there. That you've got, on the one hand – the difficulty of dealing with the biases of the people who are moderating the flow of information to you. And so you can't necessarily trust them all by themselves. You've got to spend some time and effort figuring out who's reliable and on, on what subjects they're reliable and what occasions and what their motivations might be, what incentives they have. So there's that problem that you've got to deal with. But then you're also telling me that there's a problem of I've got my own biases that I'm bringing to my observation of this information that's being fed to me. Right. That I'm being manipulated, and that's really a problem with me, not just with the person who's attempting to manipulate me. So, again, how do you know anything? How do you trust anything? If you can't trust the outside sources and you can't trust your own judgments of those outside sources – I mean, along the way, you can at least say this, and this isn't the answer to that, but it's easier to show something to be false than it is to show it to be true. I mean, and, and I do mean, and, and I think that's a, that's, a, that's a foundational principle in the sense of it's, it's, very, it's fairly quick. Most things prove themselves to be false fairly quickly if you actually start pulling at the threads. But you can find things where people have they've done their legwork to tell a lie. And so, I mean, but I mean, this is not the answer to the question, but I do think that's, it's a very, very valid point is it's, I cannot tell you how many times I look on my Facebook feed and I see a hundred things that are, could be, that people post as true that you could find to be false in 10 seconds. I mean, this doesn't fully answer your question, but one thing that I want to definitely apply to your question is we have to realize that our own biases in reading it we're calling it biases but it's really covetousness we all said you read this thing and you want it to be true the definition of that is coveting you want it to be true so part of dealing with it is you do need to deal with it as sin the fact that you go and you read something and you go you know i know the sources aren't that good but i really want this to be true so i'm going to believe it you need to recognize that's sin and I think a lot of times we don't count these things as sin. If you desire something to be true, so you call it true, that's covetousness. And so we just really need to be thinking about it in those terms is we need to deal with our own hearts and say, do we want something different than what God did? And when we read a news story and go, oh, it must be true. There, the George Bush must have conspired to bring down the, ta- the Twin Towers. We just need to recognize the problem isn't us, <laughs> that we have sin that we need to deal with. And we should desire to know truth because Jesus Christ is truth, and we should tie it to the truth of Christ. And so we should put aside covetousness, and we need to diligently do that, and we need to recognize it as that. So I desire to know truth, let's say. I knew you were going to just walk right (laughs) over what I said. (laughs) I'm I'm coming into it. Desire to know truth, but... But, I mean, how do I, how do I make sense of the research that I have to do and dealing with my own flesh and my own sin as I'm in the middle of all that research? And I've got a wife and kids and yard work that needs to happen and a job, and I don't, 
I don't have time to do all this. I mean, what? You accept what, that you're not. What omniscient. do I need to know about the world? <laughs> well, well, and and why? And I think yeah. this is part of the segment where we do we turn the question back on the asker. <laughs> when a person gets pesky and keeps asking a question over and over again, we make them answer their own question. <laughs> well, I mean, I, but part of it is kind of what what actions am I taking in my life that this information is going to instruct me on? Am I the Secretary of State of Georgia? Am I someone who is in a role to affect his position currently or next time's up for election? No, I mean, me knowing about what's happening in Georgia is not going to affect my decisions in my life. I mean, when it comes up to, you know, the next election, you know, I need to know about the candidates on the ballot, whether I'm going to vote for them, the people who are representing me. I need to know about them and keep up with them to some level to know if there's things I need to be petitioning them about. But there's a lot of things that happen that just have no bearing on anything that we can do. It's, I mean, it, it, it gets to a point where it's entertainment. Uh, to, to be pursuing it at a deep level is, is taking time away from things that are important and things that God's actually commanding us to do. And I think that's where you have to tie it back like Dan did to sin, right? I mean, how many times have you sat at work and instead of doing work that you were being paid to do, you looked on the internet at things because you'd rather do that and you were justifying doing that because this is important. This is, this is incredibly essential. I'm not going to do anything from any of this except go talk to someone else at work and get them not to do work and to think about this instead. But I'm going to sit here and let this occupy my time and be, you know, and be focused on this. And so, I mean, that's sin. It's, it becomes, like you said, it's entertainment, and that entertainment becomes stealing from my employer. And that's, that's really relevant. And, and part of it's hard, though, too, because there are many, like what's going on right now with the elections and the, the voter fraud. I mean, the only way that you tighten up the elections is if a lot of people get upset about voter fraud. And so there is the level that there needs to be this widespread interest to actually cause something to be done. And if you go, it's not directly actionable to me right now, then how does anything get, you know what I mean? It gets to right. be this, this. I would guess that's even justification extent. for some, I mean, I would not be surprised if some of the justification for the thing, some of the things they're saying is it's the only way to get people upset enough to actually force them to tighten up elections. That would not surprise me at all if that was their justification for some of the things they're saying. I mean, you know what I mean? Which, right. which is lying to get people to, you know, to care about something that might be worth caring about. But, but if they lie about also, it, you shouldn't care about it. <laughs> I mean, but there's plenty of voters, like in North Carolina, no one's alleging that Biden stole the election because he didn't in North Carolina. I mean, so, you know, there's pl- enough voters in Georgia, Michigan, you know, Pennsylvania, Trump supporters who are going to be upset about it that how much do we need to be upset about it? I mean, and, I, and, I, and I agree with you there. I was more speaking of somebody in Georgia that goes, well, what can I do? There was, you know, X number of mail-in ballots that were contrary to law. What can I do? So why should I do anything? And I do think there's a valid point where at times you have to say we need to – and (laughs) here's what I think it comes down to is, hey, you know, we need to be careful not to judge another man's servant. God might lay on somebody's heart that they should do this, and this might be what they should be doing. Right. But we should be judging – we should be redeeming the time because the days are full of evil. Election fraud's evil, and somebody might say, this is what I should be spending my time on, and somebody else might say, I've got other things to spend my time on, but if you're just going to read it and not do anything about it, 
then are you really redeeming the time? And that's where you get to biblical principles. Are you really redeeming the time? Did we finally answer your question, Jonathan? You're getting closer. <laughs> what, what, what's the right answer? <laughs> One of the things you said, Joshua, is, is worth teasing out. It's worth a lot more teasing out in that, hey, a lot of it is entertainment. There are people out there that their motivation is to capture viewers because that's how they sell advertising. That's how they make money. We're the product. And the way that they keep our interest is by something exciting has to always be going on. Something that you have to know about. They're telling us you have to know about this. And we have to realize that we're at that end of the stick. And I think and it really ties back to part of the control, control for that is something that Charles said earlier, which is, hey, you need to be willing to turn them off when they lie. And because media says things that we want to hear, we end up not holding them to a standard, right? The scripture is really clear, right? If you say you're a prophet of God and you do one thing doesn't come to pass, you're supposed to be put to death. Now, I'm not saying that somebody who <laughs> misreports a news story should be put to death. But what I am saying is Dan Rather, for 30, 35 years, was one of the leading newscasters in the United States. He was found out to falsify one document, and he was gone within a week. That standard isn't in the U.S. anymore, but that was a much healthier standard than where we are now. Right. A much healthier standard. Where they bring and Brian we need Williams to be willing back. to do that. Where they bring Brian Williams back after a, you know, right. a little, a little right. hiatus. And, and I think we just need to really go, hey, if this person lied to me before to get clicks, which is why they lied to you, to get eyeballs, to get clicks, whatever it is, you need to say – I'm not going to listen to them lie to me because if they lied to me once, why would I think that they're not going to lie to me again? And we need to make there be a cost of entertaining that way. And the church needs to start with that where the church has to say, we despise lying lips are an abomination before the Lord. And if this newscaster is going to come and say things that he knows to be false, and let's be serious, there were a lot of people during Trump's presidency that they were saying things that they knew to be false like charlottesville where they say he said that there's good people on both sides between the white supremacists and the and the the people wanted to remove lee's statue and if you read the quote it's just blatantly false i mean he said i'm not talking about white supremacists i'm just saying that there's some people who want to leave lee's statue there that are okay i mean that's the I mean, I didn't just quote it, but I paraphrased it. But he's explicit. But yet, how many newscasters have you heard say he was saying that white supremacists are good people, even though it was the opposite of what he actually said? And they are still on the news. They're still making lots of money. And it's because the American people don't go, this guy's lying to me. And we need to start setting that standard. And if you want to bring it back to the church, and you even want to bring it back to the reason why this podcast is called The Conquering Truth, there's a part of it where... So if the, if the spirit of the church is the spirit that animates the world, in a sense, the spirit that drives the world, is this tied back to the church's view on professions of faith and what they think truth is? In other words, there's an aspect of where the church says the truth endures, the truth conquers. And what we say is if someone says something, that's the most powerful thing. 
a claim is more powerful than a person's life and evidence and actual proof of something. And so if that's the church's position on salvation, we shouldn't be surprised if the world's that way. We shouldn't be surprised if the world says saying something or that we think we can look at someone and just hear them say something and know that it's just, true. I know he loves God. I know that he does this. And and we and scripture says that's false. Scripture says that the truth conquers. Scripture says that that those who are saved will persevere. And this is something so I mean, so in the end, is the world really doing anything different than following after the church? And how many churches are filled with people where Let's be serious. The pastor knows. You read First Corinthians six nine, where it goes, you know, no murder, no adulterer, no fornicator, no covetous will enter the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but they're looking at members of their church, going, "Well, I know he's got a girlfriend, and I know he's fornicating, but yet he's a good Christian." And is that any different than listening to the newscast, where you know they're lying to you, right. but because you covet believing it, you believe it anyway. And I think it's a major problem in the church that the pastors covet the idea that their members are actually Christian. So even when they should know better based on Scripture, they're not willing to face it. And so they do the same thing that the world does with the newscasters where they go, hey, I really want to believe white, that Trump's a white, pro-white supremacist, so I'm going to believe it even though all I have to do is listen to the quote and I realize it's a lie. Right. I think, I think part of it as we kind of think about how who who we should look to, what we should take from them. Part of it is understanding, you know, because there, there's a standard of if someone is lying to me, no longer listen to them. Um, but, I mean, we run into some problems with that because, you know, there's so many people out there, you know, what it, it's, it's hard to, for people that aren't like, you know, a television anchor, for people who even watch television. I mean, it's hard to know who have said things in the past that were lies because, you know, I'm... I'm getting my news on the internet through news articles. I don't know who the news articles are. Ninety-five, we're by ninety-five percent of the time. Listen to it. I mean, you go to a website that's that's edited, that's edited, don't you? Yeah, but I don't know who the editor is. I don't right, know. But, but you can but, tell but whether a website cares about truth or not. Yeah, yeah, but but and my and that's 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 where I'm that's where I'm getting to. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Because you you can look at certain things or certain outlets of information and understand what their biases are, roughly speaking, and how far they're willing to go to push those biases. Like, take, you know, there's everyone who has a Facebook account and uses Facebook knows there are certain people who will post literally anything, either pro-Republican side or pro-Democrat side, irregardless of, with, with no research, not caring at all whether it's true. So, like, you have that on the one hand, and on the other hand, someone who is very careful and diligent, and you can trust everything they say. And there's a lot of room in the middle. Um, and so understanding each particular outlet, how far are they willing to go? Like, for example, a lot of people will say very false things in headlines. Um, or very, not necessarily <laughs> but false. But Drudge got really famous doing that. <laughs> or not necessarily false, but, you know, such a spin that it, it's basically false. So understanding that and saying, well, definitely don't go off the headline. And, there, and like a lot of, uh, you know, there's other people, if they're using anonymous sources, you know, if people aren't going to put their name behind it, you can just disregard what they're saying. It doesn't matter how many people they're saying or telling them this thing anonymously, because the reason those people aren't saying it often is because they're just, they're lying. And, you and if you can't trust the person that took the anonymous source, how do you even trust there wasn't Yeah, but even if you trust but. them. It doesn't matter because if the sources they're getting from have no 
you know, ability not to lie and spend things, then how are you? Well, it was like, you know, the anonymous, the book that came out that was anonymous and it was the, the op-ed that was written. Mm-hmm. And they're saying this is a high-level Trump administration employee. It ends up being like. Yeah, not the fine high level. Yeah, high level means the, the top 50,000 people in the federal government. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, the anonymous sources, yeah, the reason that they don't, they want to be anonymous most of the time is not because they think there's risk to their job. Because actually, like in the federal government, there's all kinds of protection for you it's really hard for them to fire you you get a job for life if you can come up with something like this yeah that's that's you know scandalous enough but instead what they what what ends up doing is they choose an anonymous source because if you knew who the source was you would go i shouldn't listen to them (laughs) yeah the third the 50th spokesperson of the department of commerce says this Ooh, wow that's really exciting yeah but you get but if you read something you know an attributed source in quotes from, you know, a well-known news source. They probably said that. Now, you can look at the example like you were bringing up earlier with Charlottesville. Yeah, Trump said the words in the quotes, but he that was not the point he was making. So you kind of, you need to take words and quotes. You can usually trust that they said those words. Did they mean them at all in the way it's being portrayed? Depending on the outlet, maybe not. But, but people, but people a lot of times don't understand like what level people will lie about. Like, there'll be uh, people People say, well, this story was reported by CNN, even though, and I know it's not true. Um, but then, you know, the level of reporting they're doing, or maybe not CNN, the examples I'm thinking of, but say it's New York Times. I know it's not true. Well, New York Times publishes a lot of stuff on anonymous sources and stuff that you can just read the article and know there's no reason this is true. But if it's an article where you can read it, and you're, they're referencing, like, dozens and dozens of interviews with names behind them, with quotes that seem like they're not out of context in any way, with details you can match up, where it's something in-depth. I mean, they might, they're pushing an agenda, but you can't just disregard everything just because other types of articles are fake. I do want to go back to, you know, when we talk about biases, we should recognize just how much incentive there is for people to be biased. Because it's hard for us to, you know, why people would lie, why people would misreport this stuff. Because it's really easy for us to discount total depravity. I mean, the the generals in Afghanistan, they all came out and said that they were all lying to, to President Obama and President Bush and President Trump about what was happening in Afghanistan. And people died because of it. And they were willing to do that to maintain fame, to maintain their position, to get more troops under them. So it's really easy for us to kind of discount total depravity and think it's not that big of a deal. But the government, when they finally came out and they did a report on what was happening, they all knew they were lying and they knew that people would die because of their lies and they still went and did it anyway. So we need to recognize the level that people are willing to go to to confirm their biases because it is – they will go to a long way. When you have a $2 trillion, whatever the budget is for the federal government, don't think that Trump supporters won't lie to try to get Trump to have that power. Don't think Biden supporters won't lie to have Biden have that power. Of course, they will. We, we tend to discount total depravity and make it a lot smaller than it is. The reality is, you look at Israel. They sacrifice their children in the Valley of Hinnom. You look at America, we kill 1.5 million babies a year or more. 
to sacrifice to our own desires. The idea that somebody will sacrifice and will you know lie to make so that they get more clicks, so they get more money, of course they will. And some of it is we need to start out with the attitude of if you look at the world to recognize how how influenced it is by total depravity, which is why you have to put constraints on it. And that's one of the things we're losing as a society. So in Romans 1, where Paul talks about people suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, you realize the context there is he's talking about the people who call themselves the children of God, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. So going back to, hey, it starts in the church. And I think all of us would agree that we live in a culture that's dominated by lies, that you're being lied to every day, all the time, whether you're reading the news, whether you're shopping in a store, watching advertising, you are being lied to all the time. You cannot get away from it. And the reason that you're being lied to is partly because they know they can get away with it. It's partly because they know you're okay being lied to. It's partly because they know you want the lies to be true. And that's really scary. And the reason that we got there is because the church wanted some lies to be true. I've got a funny story about <laughs> so about lies. Yeah. My my daughter no just funny to show stories how, about just lies. Just so how pervasive it is. My daughter, we were for your wedding actually. We were getting salad bowls and she wanted them to be ten quart salad bowls because she needed 10 quarts worth. So she ordered from Amazon, and she measured, and they were 8 quarts. And she went, well, this says it's a 10-quart bowl. So she went to the local restaurant supply store and said, do you have any 10-quart bowls? And they said, here's a 10-quart bowl. And she looked at it and said, no, that's 8 quarts. And the lady said, no, it's not. It's 10 quarts. And she said, get a measuring. And they measured it out. And it was 8 quarts. And all their 10-quart bowls were 8 quarts. You can't find a 10-quart bowl that's not 8 quarts. Well, try buying a 1-terabyte hard drive. <laughs> there are no 1-terabyte hard drives. There's 1,000-gig hard drives. But that 1,000 gigs does not a terabyte make. <laughs> it's the, uh, that's pervasive all over the place, lying about things right. that so we don't that, know. Just like you look at things and go, oh, that's a 10-quart bowl, and it's really an 8-quart bowl. I mean, it's just, just to reinforce your point about how pervasive it is throughout our society. And it's that pervasive because either we didn't care about it, we didn't care to track down the truth, or or what's more insidious and, and a lot more convicting is maybe I wanted the lies to be true. Maybe I was more comfortable believing the lies. Maybe the church has been more comfortable believing the lies than believing the truth. I think that's one of the things that gets lost. And this is – I meant to bring this up earlier, but one of the things that – one of the ways lies go by is, is people forget what people said two days ago. And people ignore what they said two days ago. Somebody will come out and they'll make this claim. And then two days later, they'll just make a different claim. And no one goes back and says, did this claim that – but this claim that you made was totally false. And it doesn't matter because I have a new claim to make, and this is today, and now you want you the new – You should believe me. <laughs> right, and you want the new piece of information. And, and there's this part of it where, I mean, I think this the, the thing that made me think of it was it's people just – people aren't aware of how much they change over time. You're not aware of how much you change over time and how much you're affected by things. I mean, just how much – I mean, it's, it's 
you know, when you go back and you, I mean, television is a really good indicator of how much the culture changes over time and how much people are willing to accept over time. But people don't notice their change. It's sort of like watching your kids. I, you know, I don't notice my kids getting older, but when I look at pictures, you realize how much younger they looked two years ago. But it was gradual, and so you just don't notice it. Everybody understands that concept, but they don't step back and actually try to look at pictures of themselves. They don't actually try to look at themselves and say, what was I like a year ago? What was I like two years ago? And I think that's something that's sort of, it's, it's part of this discussion. It's not the main thing, but I think it needs to be thought about. I mean, it is interesting that, like, I read an article about Joe Biden this week that was talking about how he was so pro-choice his whole career that, I mean, this was obviously somebody that was pro-choice. I mean, he prevented money going to foreign entities, the U.S. Treasury money going from foreign entities. He's always been pro-choice in America, but there were certain limits to it because he always said he was pro-life. And now they're saying this is the most pro-choice president ever because they want to rewrite history. And, and I think Joe Biden would say, I'm completely pro-choice. I've always been completely pro-choice, even though it was less than a year ago that he changed his position. Right. And I think, you know, it's just, you know, to support your point, this happens all the time, and we accept this, and we accept that we shouldn't look back at history when somebody says, I never did that, instead of going, no, there's actually recordings of you. You did do that. Right. Right. You know, again, another example with Biden is that, you know, he went in the 88 race. He got thrown out. I mean, he was... He was rejected, and the media was saying his career was finished. He would never get reelected as a senator because he lied and said he had three degrees, and then he graduated in the top of his class, and he had full He plagiarized someone else's speech down to the point of, like, their, yeah. their, their Scottish ancestry. But my point here is, though, <laughs> four months ago, he repeated that same lie that right. he said in 1987. Right. That threw him out. He repeated exactly the same that lie. he was and the, the media, first in his family to go to college. Yeah, and yeah. the media – Completely accepted it as truth. Right. And we just, I mean, we have to care about the past. We have to say that truth is consistent. We live in a, you know, a postmodern world that says that the truth is changing all the time, but that's not the world that God created. Right. I'm going to keep bringing this up. I think because it was so in the, a couple months ago, you did a series of talks about how that the, the, the Christian religion is based on acknowledgement of specific historic facts. And that that's that that's a that's a fundamental aspect of Christianity. And we're going through Exodus, and there's this part of it where you look at Exodus, and there are specific things that happened to the children of Israel in Exodus that have to be affirmed. That they 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 weren't you know they were symbolic, but they also happened. They really really happened. And so I mean I think this this aspect of history, it's it's not some it's not some add on. It's not some, oh, you need to consider it. It's, no, it's a fundamental part of your faith. And the fact that we don't consider the ongoing revelation of what God is doing in the world to be just as fundamental as the things in Scripture, there's, there's kind of a problem with that because God didn't, like, stop decreeing what would occur in the world. That's still going on, and that's still his work that's being unfolded before our eyes. And, and all of Scripture is based on arguments about those facts. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived on earth. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. And Paul says, if those things aren't true, then we above all are most to be pitied. Right. And he's basing that. He's saying everything about us really matters. It comes down to a few historical facts being true. And if those facts aren't true, 
let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Right. But then you know what the church does with those? Is you know, around the beginning of the 1900s or so, we start wondering if there really was a historical Jesus. And, and, and the church starts accommodating these these ideas that are coming in from secular scholarship by saying, well, you know, maybe it doesn't matter if Jesus was actually real because all that matters is the the moral stories that are associated with this, the tale of Jesus. And that's just patently false, but that's how we get here today is by entertaining the idea that certain facts don't matter because the entire Christian life is based on certain sets of facts being true. Right. And right. and it's based on a God who came to earth and said, I am truth. Right. And if we stop caring about that, then we get what we have right now. And you have to care about all truth because he is truth. Just not what he did was truth, not him coming, but he is truth. And as truth, and that doesn't mean that you have to chase everything to the end. That's <laughs> not the point that I'm making because – only God knows all truth. He's the omniscient one. We're not omniscient. We are all limited. We only know certain truths. We're all, you know, God knows it all and we don't. But it does mean that you actually have to care about truth because otherwise you don't care about Christ. Hence the conquering truth. <laughs> <laughs> I do think we need to, to go back to how do we determine truth because truth is important. So there are processes that we should go through. And, and the scripture tells us that they're processes, right? It says that you need two or three witnesses to establish fact. And part of if we care about truth, we care about the process as well. You can't care about truth and not care about the process of determining truth. Because God knows by knowing because he's God. The rest of us have to figure it out by using the means that God gave us. One verse that's relevant is Proverbs 18, verse 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. So, you know, whenever someone is making a claim against someone that some, someone did something particularly bad, one question is, have, is the, whoever's writing this article, have they given the person who's being accused the chance to respond, which is something that traditionally, you know, in the, in the media, they're not going to print accusations without either saying, here's their response, or we tried to contact them and they didn't respond. So giving it, giving, not accepting something until we give, give someone the chance to respond. And, yeah, I, and, and you look at that verse and you realize that verse is, if, if you want to apply it to some of our discussion here, that verse is talking about us as consumers of media. It's not talking about the media. It's saying you listen to something in the media, you think it's true until you listen to something else. It doesn't mean that the first person you listen to isn't right and that you've got to go listen to the second one so that you can – oh, the can first one's going to be wrong so the <laughs> right. second one's going to be right. That's not what it's saying. It's saying your propensity is to hear something and to believe it and that you need to – that verse is basically saying a lot of the things we've been saying so much more succinctly. But that you, <laughs> you need to recognize that within you, you are biased in a particular way. You're going to hear something and you're going to internalize it. And you need to – it's saying you need to keep an open mind to hearing something else. I think one of the things is this witnesses there. I mean what is a witness? It's not just someone asserting something. 
and it's not necessarily a person. It's not somebody saying an opinion, by the way. That's right. not a witness. Right. It's not right. It's not, you know, in, in uh, you know, when you go through the court cases, lawyers will use the term opine, which literally just means, you know, to give your opinion on a subject, right? I mean, it's, it's and like I said, you, you see a lot of that, but it's, it's not someone just saying something. It's not someone, uh, like you said, giving their opinion about something, but, and it's not necessarily even a person. It's, it's, it's an actual something that testifies to this happening. And I mean, one of the things we've learned over time is that if you look at things is eyewitnesses aren't that super reliable. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, somebody saying they saw something and what you'll find too is somebody saying they saw something that looks suspicious isn't proof of something happening. I can't tell you how many articles I've seen in the last week about, so, you know, this guy's on a phone right after he just walked away from a tabulator. What's he talking about? <laughs> It, I mean, I mean, that's literally the headline. And I mean, and when I read it, I went, yeah, what? and then I went like, wait a minute, this is nuts. This, this is, they don't know anything. He could be talking to his mother. You know what I mean? There's no, and so, I mean, it's, it's really important to get down into what a witness is, what actually constitutes evidence of something and to actually bear down on that and to actually pretend like someone was accusing you of something. What would you want someone to accept as evidence to prove that it was true? I think that's very, you know, that's a reasonable standard. And we have to also, you know, expect people to actually be careful with their language. Because people say, I know this, when it's really just their opinion. Right. And so if somebody says, I know that this happened, you need to go, so how do you know that it happened? You just think it happened, but what evidence do you have? Right. And no should mean evidence. It shouldn't say, I think this happened, right? That's valid. Everybody goes, right. this is his opinion. But if you say, I know it happens, we don't think that's opinion anymore, but that's become opinion. Right. And so what, you know, but if you turn around and say, okay, so what evidence do you have that it happened? That all of a sudden, until right. people twist that word and use it to mean something right. else, but, you know, to make it seen, right, is what evidence means. But, and so we just need to recognize the, the, you know, we need real witnesses right. and not just somebody stating an opinion right. because then somebody states an opinion and they hear somebody else hears it and so that becomes their opinion and that's how we get these things running through a society that everybody believes or that a large number of people believe where they have no basis in fact. Yeah, and it can, there can be so many levels of, you know, depending on the situation of what is a witness, you, could, you can say was it someone who just heard it? Was it someone who actually saw it? And then, you know, are they someone who's lied over and over again? Even you have a document. Where did this document come from? Is it put out by someone reputable? Is it someone who, you know, they just, like, you know, is this something that was Photoshopped? I mean, it just goes on and on. Um, and especially as people make more claims about how And then how people make claims about, yes, I've proven that it's Photoshopped. And everybody goes, aha, I knew that <laughs> President Obama's birth certificate was Photoshopped. When How do you know that the person who said it was Photoshopped is telling the right. truth? And, and you know, to, which kind of goes back to Jonathan's point is you hear the first one and because you don't want to believe it, you believe the second one when the second one has no better evidence than the first one. Yeah. So, but. Uh, or we could accurately state that it was Joshua's point, not Jonathan's. Uh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just figured we would, you know, we need to make sure that we're actually citing correct sources the here. The podcast is already fake news. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the tape. <laughs> We've gone meta. <laughs> I think one important point here is um, also if we have a greater responsibility if we're saying something than if we're hearing something. The standard should be higher of just 
reading a news story and thinking, yeah, that sounds like it's probably true, to actually sharing that with other people and saying, look at what I found out that's true. And that's a big, that's how, you know, Facebook and things like that are such, you know, cesspools of falsehoods is because people are putting stuff out there that they might believe, but they don't have any higher standard of something that they're actually going to share with their friends. Is I, I research this and I know this is true when, yeah, they, they don't. Right. And I think it's really important, too, for us to just recognize the fact that there's lots of things we're not supposed to know. And that we want to chase things down when a lot of times you should just go, I don't need to know that. I'll never find out. Yeah. Like yeah. how many voters changed their vote because of where President Obama was born? There might have been some, but not the people who were upset about it. But even so, I mean, does it matter? No. And it's, it's we want to put ourselves in the place of God and say that we're supposed to know all things. And a lot of times, and this kind of even goes back to one of the first points you made, Joshua, which is we should be looking at searching out truth that's actionable and not just truth that we want to know. But part of that is we need to accept who we are. There is one who knows everything. There is one who knows the absolute truth. And so, and that's not us. And we don't, we're his servant. We don't need to be, pretend like we're him. And so a lot of times you get to the point where you read two sources and you go, I have no idea which is true. Move on. Let's do something else. Instead of thinking that you need to be the one who determines truth and knows what is actually true. And also you need to rec- we need to recognize that we can be fooled. We can all be fooled and we always and we all will be fooled one time or another where you read things that boy this I've checked all the sources and this sure seems to be true and then you find out later yeah. nope or maybe we find out in heaven when we know in full. We go, "Oops. <laughs> I was stupid to believe that." Yeah, I know. I've told people things that weren't true. I'm not lying, but things I read that in the past week I know the majority of people at the table have told me things that were not true, that they read in the media. I mean, it just happens and it's in a fallen world. So the other thing that I think is worth talking about is a, a lot of it's deliberate. And if we want to protect ourselves against it, we need to be recognizing the deliberate, the deliberateness of it. There was somebody that some years ago that was was talking about the sales technique that they used was was called FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And that goes back to what Charles said about you see somebody they they were at a they were at a tabulator and then they walked off and they got on a phone. What were they talking about? Right. Right. It's it's sewing these things so that your imagination fills in the rest. And that's how conspiracy theories are born. That's how all these other things are born as you create connections that that could have real connections, but there's no evidence that they have real connections. And you just try to sow fear, uncertainty, and doubt so that people fill in other things. And we need to recognize this is a technique that's widely used. It's widely used by the media. And we need to protect ourselves against it if we want to know truth because that's a good way to turn somebody from truth if you're sinning, obviously. But by using fear, uncertainty, and doubt and and sowing that to get them to turn from the truth and to create connections that aren't there. So Joshua gave us one verse in Proverbs, but really, if, if you want to inoculate yourself as much as possible this side of heaven against these kinds of things, it's worth spending a lot of time in Proverbs because Proverbs talks, like Proverbs gives you case studies for these sorts of things. And Proverbs is written from the perspective of an older, wiser man to his son 
in order to say, son, hey, there's a world out there where there are fools in it. Don't be one of the fools. There are naive people. There are simpletons. You don't want to be naive. You don't want to be simple. You want to love wisdom. You want to love knowledge. And, hey, if you haven't read Proverbs lately and the news has got you all concerned, go read Proverbs and and sharpen your wits a little bit because it'll tell you how you should be reading these kinds of things. It will tell you the kind of person you need to be in order to then consume this kind of information. Turn yeah. off the news and read Proverbs is uh, <laughs> That's the best advice tonight. Advice. <laughs> but, you but, won't believe this one simple trick for, for, yeah. for protecting, you you from, <laughs> protecting you from fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And, and hey, I mean, you know, there's, there's one place you can go where you're not going to have to worry that you're going to be lied to. You can go get a whole lot of information there about the world and the universe and you and everything. And that information there is going to give you the lenses that you need in order to rightly interpret what's happening around you, in order to rightly interpret the information you're being given about what's happening around you. You know, you need to be spending time in your Bible. You need to be part of a church that's spending time in the Bible because you need to be around other people who can talk to you about these sorts of things, people who are not motivated by fear, uncertainty, and doubt, people who are motivated by the love of Christ, people who are motivated by a desire to find truth, who want to love truth and want to hate lies. And, right, and, you know, uh, John describes it walking in the truth, right? I mean, that's the Christian walk is to walk in the truth. And so we need to be discerning. We need to actually make the effort to try to understand what truth is. Not that we need to know all truth, but that we discern the difference between truth and lies because, you know, as John said, you know, my children, you know, walk in the truth, and that's his greatest pleasure. And that's what, that's what we need to be working to do is to walk in the truth. In another aspect of walking in the truth, and it's taught by, by Proverbs, but I also think it's taught very much by Paul and by, you know, the writer of Hebrews. I mean, these people that make logical arguments, you know, that's another way that people get deceived, is people can't think in a logical way. They can't make logical progressions. And so many of the things that are written, if you just apply a little logic to you go, this clearly is false. But yet people can't think orderly. You know, and Isaiah when it says, come, let us sit down and reason together. Christians have a duty to know how to reason. Right. I mean, it was, I remember reading an article not that long ago. It was a th- I think it was a thread of uh, question, things people believed when they were children that, 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 when they grew, you know, that at some point they realized were just nonsense. And it was interesting as you read through it, you went, this is sort of the f- – foundation for a lot of conspiracy theories because there were things that children had that as a child some of them were about sex like where babies come from some of them were about you know just things that adults did they were all things where the person they had no exposure to and so because they had no way to grapple with it anything seemed reasonable i thought all horses were males and all cows were females Right, and so I mean, and and there were just so many, and, and like, there's no reason why. Obviously, that's... Jonathan grew up on a farm, <laughs> and so and it was, but it was really interesting when you you know you go through it and you say, you look at so many conspiracy theories. If you know even a tiny bit about things in that area, you would go, "This makes absolutely no sense." 
but because the you know but because the person is so they're set up so perfectly in their ignorance to believe anything and they're not aware that they're ignorant and they're not or they're not aware that their ignorance makes them susceptible that they should go I don't have any position having an opinion on this subject and we need to start going conspiracy theories are evil right and the way to start that is by knocking out the biggest conspiracy theory that most parents tell their children which is there's a Santa Claus I mean, because if you're going to lie to your children and say they're Santa Claus, then you're teaching them to believe conspiracy theories when they're two and three years old. Yep. Really? Is this a good idea? This is a horrible idea. There's a point Thought where I'd you get go a controversy into this webcast. There's a point where you go, <laughs> why should they believe Jesus is real? You know, what I mean, he probably lied about him too. You know, what I mean? right? It's, because Santa Claus is a picture of God, right? I mean, he's he can be everywhere. He knows all things. He knows whether you're sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He can. He, he can, has power to give you whatever good. you want. Yeah. Just so, I mean, I've had offline shadowy discussions with some of you about us doing a topic on doing a whole podcast on conspiracy theories. So I mean, I think you know, isn't conspiracy theory like a classic of the podcast format? I think uh, it probably. Uh, yeah, is. I think. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but, and, but, but how many people say Santa Claus is one of the leading? <laughs> it's one of the most widely accepted conspiracy theories. And how many people, instead of talking about a conspiracy theories, talk about the nature of conspiracy theories themselves? Because yeah. I think that's actually fairly. I think that's. That's actually a needful topic to come back to at some point. Yeah. And the logic one. Right. But but going back to the logic one, there's there's one step further to that is I mean I think I think You're the, saying there's a logical progression from there. There is. I mean once you learn to think logically, you need to learn to think analogically. And by that I mean, hey, scripture tells us all over the place. The the New Testament says the things that happened in the Old Testament were done as examples for us. And what that means is you need to be able to go back and you need to look at those historical stories that God thought worth preserving for centuries. Somebody had to write them down and then copy them over and over. And God said, these things are there for you so that you see things about me in them. You see things about you in them. You see things about the world in them. They happened to other people in order for you to learn something from them. Which, I mean, you could say that's true of all history, but but here's cases where Scripture gives you the stories, it tells you the relevant facts about the stories, and then it gives you an interpretation of those stories as well. So, you, you know, all you have to do is sort of follow those things down. But if you want to know what's going on with the coronavirus pandemic, you can look at pandemics in the Bible because they're there and God tells you here's what's happening here's what I'm doing when you see a whole bunch of people get sick here's what's happening when you're being oppressed by an unrighteous government here's what's happening when you've lost your job here's what's happening when you're hungry you know these things happen to other people and were written down in the Bible as examples for us and we know the truth there we know we're not being lied to there so, again, it's worth spending time there. And I do think that, you know, we're, we're talking about the news and how do you figure out what the news is. I mean, it reminds me of a king who, who had all these people come and say, this is what's happening. This is what's going to happen. You're going to have victory. You're going to have victory. It's going to be wonderful. And this is Ahab and Jehoshaphat. I think it's Jehoshaphat comes along and goes, is there anybody here that tells the truth? We shouldn't think that what's happening right now is any different than what was happening then. And what the one that was most righteous in the situation goes is, can't we find somebody who knows the truth? 
somebody that will speak and not say what we want to hear, but somebody will speak and say what is true. And you remember the reply to that question. Was, He's always against me. <laughs> there, there is a guy, but I hate him. <laughs> yeah, he always speaks against me. I think that one of the false prophets was going to release the Kraken against their enemies or something. Isn't that? <laughs> I think, so. that false I, I, think prophet, I think people yeah. should probably go read for themselves and and it turned not out to be an octopus with Rick Charles <laughs> on that one. <clears throat> but, but studying history uh, beyond biblical history can be really helpful and bring context to the hottest political issues of the day. I mean, you look back in history, you see mass hysterias where everyone was so concerned about something that was just a figment of their imagination. You see, you know, where people have spent, you know, so much time and energy debating things. And when you look back decades or centuries later, you see there was, you know, the moral issues involved were minimal at best. I mean, they were fighting over such tiny political things, but the people at the time were attributing so much into those the issues that in reality were minor. And I mean, you getting back to conspiracy theories, I mean, you see people believe in conspiracy theories and you see times where things happen that would be called conspiracy theories. I mean, you see false flag operations, you see these types of things that have happened and it, it, it gives perspective as, you know, the things that are happening look a lot different when they're when they're history when you have his when you have a historical perspective you get some idea of what's actually possible to do in a conspiracy and why other conspiracies spin out of control is because they involved like more than five people <laughs> i mean and i mean it's just it's really like this is another aspect of history gives you some grounding to even understand what's possible in the sense of a conspiracy and that most conspiracies are actually fairly open the ones that are successful the ones that are successful right that I mean, happen right in open. front of everybody and and everybody acts like they're not happening but they were very clear they were very stated up front because you can't get a whole bunch of people to go along with you unless you tell them what's going on so right. so we're talking about the pandemic now and all this i mean it's interesting to yeah, we're, we started by talking about the news, and we should just recognize how much power that they have to control the, the national discourse. When the Spanish flu epidemic came, it was at the end of World War I, and, and Wilson didn't want anybody to know about it. And he, there were only a few articles. It wasn't widely covered at all until, it, until the war was over even though we kind of exported it to Europe. And, I mean, it was pretty bad what the U.S. did. But the news media basically, because Wilson pushed them hard, they pretty much suppressed it. And now it's being pushed the other way so that everybody's going, look at how horrible it is. So we need to make sure that we're looking at historical perspective because, I mean, what was Spanish flu? Probably 50 times worse, at least, than the coronavirus. Right. And yet it exploded because nobody wanted to talk about it but now all we want to do is talk about it and shut everything down even though you know the number especially if you consider because it's mostly the elderly that die the number of of man lives that quote unquote have been lost by it are minuscule compared to to things or like the spanish years. you mean man years what did i say you said man lives <laughs> which is a little different <laughs> yes but man years excuse me yeah the, the number of man years that have been lost because of the the coronavirus, it's like on a whole different scale. And we should just recognize that the media can push things. And so we have to be really careful to not get caught up in what they want to push. Because like I said, you know, you go to CNN, you go to Fox, and they're pushing very different agendas. So they're going to tell you different stories are the most important thing of the day. 
And we need to actually step back and say, what is actually important? Because it can shift a society, especially a society that's filled with confusion because there doesn't have the light of the gospel being preached in it. And that's where we are as a society. We can, we're so confused because when you walk in darkness, you can stumble over anything. And that's kind of where we are as a society. We're stumbling over all this stuff because we're in darkness. So as we think about that and we think about the news, it is, you know, it's important for us to remember to keep our priorities right. And our priorities should be trust God because you can be lied to, you can be deceived, but God has never lied to. I mean, people lie, try to lie to him, but he's never deceived. He's never misled. And so that's where we can rest our trust that he is truth and he doesn't fade and he doesn't waver and he doesn't wander and he doesn't deceive and he doesn't mislead and he doesn't do any of those things. And so the word of God, that's where we can trust and we can rest to know truth. So with that, we thank you for joining us. This has been The Conquering Truths, a project of Reformation Baptist Church. If you found this helpful, you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.